Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You can wrap this one, my friend, in maroon and white. Ten seconds, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Bingo! You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Rhino, there's not anybody in the control room trying to steal our signals, are there? I mean, we're all good? We're all secure here? Yeah, I think we're good. All right. It's Wednesday night. You know what that means. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad. You just heard the dulcet tones of Rhino down there in Studio X. He's making sure we are secure here. Jim Harbaugh, you cannot get in to Thunder and Lightning. All right? You got no part of it. If I find out one of your guys is here... We're going to have problems. We're going to do it the Chicago way. Thanks for joining me here on a Wednesday night. If you want to be part of the show, you know what to do. Hit us up on the text line, 601-879-4395. We have a great show, a great show, lined up for you tonight. And, of course, it is highlighted by, in about 13 minutes, our conversation with Coach Chris Jans. He's going to join us live here on the show. Looking forward to talking to him as Mississippi State basketball really gets started this weekend uh, with an exhibition game down in Hattiesburg. If you haven't heard about that yet, uh, please consider, if you're in that area, making a trip to Hattiesburg uh, to watch Mississippi State play Southern Miss in basketball at the Reed Green Coliseum. All proceeds for that will go uh, to the tornado victims in the Mississippi Delta from this, uh, the storms we had uh, a few months ago. So for a great cause, and you get to see the, uh, the first look at the Bulldogs uh, this season, very exciting season of MSU basketball, we think. Uh, coming our way. So we'll talk to Coach Jans about that game and about a lot more uh, when we get him on. But we will start with football. And, uh, you know, I'll be the first to tell you, I don't think I'm the most handsome man on God's green earth. I, I, I'm not up there with the Ryan Goslings and the Channing Tatums of the world. But even I am not as ugly as the football that was played at in Fayetteville on uh, on Saturday. It was disgusting to watch. You had to be a true a true college football sicko to watch that game as an unbiased observer. A state fan or an Arkansas fan that watched that, I understand. You're, you're, you're there to watch your team. I get it. But if you're just somebody watching college football and you're locked into Mississippi State, Arkansas, 7-3, to three, my hat's off to you. You are a true sicko in the finest sense of the word. Um But as ugly as it was, it ain't got to be uh, pretty if you get the W. And that's what Mississippi State did, and a much-needed W for them. Uh, kind of played out, in some ways, the way we thought. Mike Wright did start the game. Will Rogers was out. I expect that to be the case again this weekend. Uh, State defensively, I said you know, for the past few weeks, it doesn't matter who is that quarterback for Mississippi State if they can't play defense better. Well, State played defense better. Uh, they, they took it. They, they they took control of the game on the defensive side of the ball, and only a Mike Wright interception, which set up Arkansas in plus territory, uh, kept the Bulldogs from shutting out the Razorbacks on their own home field. So they got the win, and they're four and three. 
again, I keep, I, 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 I don't know. I don't want to throw away my prediction just yet, but I had them four and three at this point. And I got them five and three after next week. And five and three after next week would be the exact same spot they were a year ago. They were five and three and they finished strong. Can that happen again? Well, they got to play differently, right? They, you can't expect to win games with seven points. That's state's first win in single digits. Uh, since 1987, where they beat Memphis State 9-6 to in 1987. In the last 20 years, State has played 38 games where they scored, I'm sorry, 39, counting on Saturday's game, where they scored in the single digits. They are 1-38. That was the first win. That snaps a 38-game losing streak where you, won, where you only score. I mean, because you don't win football games 99.999% of the time when you have single digits. But I'll just go ahead and tell you a little secret. It could very well be the case again this weekend that single digits is enough to win because neither one of these teams are great offensively. Auburn is is just not a good offense. Top to bottom, that, that's the end of the statement. They're one-dimensional, they can't pass, and they aren't exactly elite at running. It would be one thing if they were a team averaging 235, 240 yards on the ground. They're not. You know, Jarquez Hunter is a pretty good runner. But he is not the the next in line of the great Auburn lineage of running backs. Like him, talented player. Thorne and Ashford, I mean, they're just they're just not SEC quality quarterbacks at the end of the day. They just aren't. And if State goes over there and plays a relatively clean game, they have every opportunity to walk out of there with a win on Saturday. But I don't know necessarily they can play the way they played against Arkansas. Got to be a little bit more explosive on offense. I, I think one of the things we saw is is that Mississippi State, they, they just, by design or by happenstance, whatever it is, they're just so ultra-conservative on offense. Even Paul Gallo would say they need to be a little more liberal on this offense. He, even he would tell you that because they just – don't want to stretch the field. The things we heard about all offseason, stretching the field and being vertical and getting your best 11 guys out there on the field, none of that's happening, which is incredibly frustrating as a fan. When, when, you're, when you're told one thing and you see another, that's what turns fans on coaching staffs. You know, losing is one thing, but when you've told us, hey, this is how we're going to do things, and then they don't do them that way, that, 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 that's what drives people insane. We're going to get the ball to our playmakers. Okay, how many touches did Tulu Griffin have? Because if the answer's less than 10, you didn't do a great job of getting him the ball. You're not getting them doing a great job of getting Xavion Thomas the ball. Creed Whittemore showed you in the first game that he can be a playmaker, and he hasn't touched the ball since, I don't think. If he's got more than one, one touch since then, I would be surprised. You've got a, a, a one of the deepest running back rooms you've had in quite some time, but you you, you can't seem to figure out the rotation for them, and so you ha- you keep giving the ball to Woody Marks, and God bless him, he's trying, but he he just can't stay healthy right now. And then Mike Wright, you know, they got to find ways to make him more effective. They got to find ways to let him be more uh, you know aggressive in the running game, but they can't they they got to take the training wheels off the passing game too. Again, the point I keep making, and I've made it a bunch of times here, and I've made it on the podcast, it's not like with Will Rogers this offense was just flowing. It's not like Will Rogers was averaging 350 yards passing a game and completing 75% of his passes. You know, he's been he is, he's been struggling this year. 
So it's not it's not that big of an ask, I don't think, for for Wright to be able to give you some of that same production in the passing game while giving you another 50, 60 yards a a a a, a game on the ground, which I think he can do. So state's got to take they got to take the training wheels off offensively. Defensively, it's about replicating what you did. That was a really good defensive performance. There may not be, from a statistical standpoint, a better game played in the SEC this year. Three hundred three three points and two hundred yards of offense. That's dominance. Now, I I do think that part of that was Arkansas pretty early in the game said enough. But give credit to Mississippi State for making them do that. State, you know, second play of the game, you you get an interception. And it's, it's first and ten Arkansas in your territory. State could have very easily been like, oh, God, here we go again, and let it, and let it get away from them. But they bucked up, and they played hard. And then the next thing you know, you get into the fourth quarter, and you're like, man, this defense has totally dominated Arkansas from start to finish. they got to find a way to do it again. I really do think that defense is going to have to carry this team if they want to get to six, seven wins. And that's an incredible thing to say, considering how poor they were defensively just a few weeks ago, but they've got to find a way to whatever they 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 did on Saturday. They got to bottle that up and spread it around because they're going to need it. And I know Arnett told us after the game or during on Monday's press conference that nothing really changed in terms of play calling. Nothing really changed in terms of what pressures they they ran. That everything they ran on Saturday they had run previous. That's fine if you want to tell us that, but I watched the game. And you did not play defense like that against Western Michigan, against Alabama, South Carolina, LSU, and Arizona. You did not. So either Arkansas is just the worst offense in America and you were able to take advantage of it, or you did something different. I guess we'll find out what the answer to that is uh, this Saturday when Mississippi State plays uh, plays Auburn. You better hope it's the uh, it's it's that they change something up. And it wasn't just that Arkansas was not good. Because otherwise it's going to be a tough day for you at Auburn. But again, Auburn offensively, they're just not very good. They're not very good. That is what it is there. All right, we'll be back in just a minute. And when we are, we'll be joined live by Coach Chris Jans, the head coach of Mississippi State Basketball, a team that has a ton of excitement around it this year. But they've got some questions now. Uh, going into the season. So, looking forward to that conversation. Looking forward to talking to him about a team that, you know, went to the NCAA tournament a year ago kind of as a surprise team. Now, this year, there's expectations. And, you know, how do you handle those expectations? Let's find out what he's got to say. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Thunder and Lightning live here on Super Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Oh, yeah. It is time. We've been looking forward to this for a couple of weeks. Chris Jans, the head basketball coach at Mississippi State, joins me now. 
here on Thunder and Lightning. Coach, great to have you on with us. I, I, I thought back to your first press conference at Mississippi State when you talked a lot about the transfer portal and you talked a lot about how it's building a team year to year. And then you went and kept all five starters off of an NCAA tournament team. Did you even think that something like that was still possible in this day and age of college basketball? Hey, Brian. Uh, good to be back. I haven't pondered that question very long, but I would say I don't know the facts, but I can't imagine there's many teams across the country that have five starters back. I don't know of any off the top of my head, but I certainly don't track all 363 Division One teams. But it is quite remarkable, and we took great pride in the fact that those folks uh, made the decision to come back and be bulldogs. And when I first arrived, certainly a part of you know getting a new job is the players you inherit, and you know it's the same old, same old. Hey, you didn't sign up to play for us. Give us a chance, and for the most part, you know we've got the kids to stay that we wanted to after we did a brief evaluation of video, getting to know them, etc. Um, but it was a lot of blind faith. You know, this time around, it feels even better because they knew, you know, what our program was all about. They knew what the standard of expectation was on a daily basis. They knew what coaching style we had, and. Um, it made us all feel really good about, you know, what we're doing in terms of the day-to-day when they all made that decision on their own to come back and be Bulldogs. I know that there's a wide gulf of difference between the expectations that you have for your program versus what the expectations of the media would have or what a fan would have of your program. But I will tell you from my own perspective, last year I did not expect that to be an NCAA tournament team. This year, I do expect it to be you had you to have an NCAA tournament team. Do your expectations change from year to year, or is it just the, the baseline of we are an NCAA tournament team and that's our goal each and every season? Well, first of all, um, appreciate the uh, confidence. And, I mean, let's be real. You got a team that made the tournament and you got five starter backs, five starters back, excuse me, plus you know, two or three other guys that made some impact and you added, you know, some quality pieces. So I would imagine that people that really follow us would have had that expectation. Now, obviously the injury situation has really hit us and that could change people's minds. But to be perfectly honest, um, yeah, every year um, for quite some time, you know, making March Madness was the ultimate goal. And, I'm not going to go into the details of it, but I will admit that uh, in our first meeting that we had as a group this fall, uh, I changed the uh, big goal that we normally have every year. It's the first time I've ever done it as a head coach. So, yeah, I have bigger expectations uh, going forward now that we've established ourselves and we've got you know our culture instilled and got some you know more of, of our players and. Um, just got a better feel for the landscape of what this job entails and the league that we're in and the opportunities that exist for us. So, yeah, we're, we're um, you know, shooting for, for bigger goals uh, going forward. I can't imagine that change in the near future. 
You mentioned the injury, and obviously that happened a couple weeks ago where you, you had to let Mississippi State fans know that Tolu Smith had suffered an injury, was going to be out for an extended period of, of time. Tell us a little bit about how he's doing in rehab, and when can you, you when do you expect to see him back on the court? Yeah, he's doing great. Uh, the first 48 hours uh, was pretty rough for everybody. Most importantly, you know, Tolu and his family, certainly – you know, no one would have expected that, and it's not what he wanted, nor obviously us. But, um, you know, he got through it. You know, mentally he was pretty down. Uh, I was very, very disappointed. Um, fortunately, the day he got hurt, we were scheduled to be off the next day, and I can't imagine having to go back to practice the day after that. We all needed to kind of process what had just happened and for us coaches try to figure out what the message is going to be um, you know, it was on a Tuesday and, and that Thursday when we headed back to practice. But most importantly, we just wanted to make sure he was good, um, you know, and get him to see, you know, the bigger picture, even though at the time it was hard to, to see that, you know, through the forest. But he's in wonderful spirits now. Uh, he is attacking rehab uh, just like I thought he would. He possesses as strong a work ethic as anyone I've ever coached. So I'm not worried about that. Now, the timeline still hasn't changed. Uh, we're still pretty much in the infant stages of his rehab. They told us from the get-go it would be mid-January for his return. And certainly, you know, we're going to keep our fingers crossed that his rehab goes well. And, uh, you know, maybe there's a chance for him to inch that up as we get closer to it. When you think about him not being on the court in those early non-conference games, does that maybe lead you to want to think, Maybe want to play small, play fast, play play guys like Andrew Taylor, play Josh Hubbard in some smaller lineups, get up and down the court, or do you just you know just go with what you've done, put Jimmy Bell in there at the five, and, and figure it out from there? Well, first of all, I hated thinking about it for uh, forty eight hours. To be honest with you, it was uh, pretty <laughs> sobering uh, time for everybody. You know, I told my wife, I said, "Hey, feel good fall is over." You know, we were getting a lot of attention nationally. Uh, people were talking about us, and certainly that doesn't mean much when it comes to winning losses, which is what we're all, you know, working for. But at the same time, you want your program to get re- recognized and get people to talking about you like, like they were. And that most of that is, it's gone away, and we certainly understand why. And certainly as a coach, we're going to use that as ammunition for the rest of our players. But, um, we definitely had to adjust, you know, any silver lining that there was, uh, was it didn't happen in the middle of a season and we had time. We had, uh, plenty of time to tinker with lineups, tinker with like what you mentioned, uh, playing faster, possibly pressing more, definitely having a small ball lineup, uh, working with that and what that looks like and how we need to play. And, um, and then looking at some other guys playing different positions and, even to the point where guys that we were possibly thinking about redshirting, you know, that's probably not going to be the case anymore because we need all hands on deck and uh, anticipate us playing in a lot of close games in the fall. And we're going to have to win some of these games, uh, even though we're a couple of men down. So there's been a lot of thought, um, you know, by, by our staff. And I've mentioned this before, how fortunate I am to have the, the men that I have working alongside with me and, and they've been at it very, very diligently. And um, certainly we got 11 more practices uh, combined with the, the game on Sunday that we still have some kinks to work out, but we're headed in the right direction.
Let's talk about that game because they, you know, that came together a few months ago to, as a charity event for the, uh, the victims of the tornado in the Mississippi Delta. How did this game come together with uh, Southern Mississippi down there in Hattiesburg this Sunday? I don't really remember who contacted me first, but it was definitely, uh, you know, someone from their organization, um, you know, wanting to see if we'd be interested in, in playing. And it just materialized over time. And certainly, um, you know, us playing in Hattiesburg against Southern Miss is not the norm. It's, I don't know when the last time that has happened, um, you know, for the Mississippi State program. And I understand that it's not a game that's going to go against anyone's win or loss record. But at the same time, there's going to be fans. And I'm assuming there'll be some sort of streaming option and people will be able to watch the game. And, the state of Mississippi obviously will be paying close attention to it. So um, it's a unique situation. I'm, I love that we're being able to do this. Uh, I love that it's for charity and we're going to be able to help uh, the residents that were affected in the Delta. And I feel really good about our team, you know, about being a part of trying to help. And, you know, to be able to go down there and, and, and play them in our own state uh, is kind of cool. You know, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's time for us to, to go against someone else. Uh, you know, we don't. We only have one true road game in the fall, and so what a great opportunity. We're hopeful for either a sellout or near to it and, and to put our guys in a ruckus environment so they can understand what it feels like uh, once we get into SEC play, and it's not the first time um, for some of the new guys that they've ever experienced it. So there's going to be a ton of opportunity for our team to grow, to go on the road, and, and certainly at the same time do something really, really good, really, really good for the state of Mississippi. October 29th, 2 o'clock p.m. in Hattiesburg at the Reed Green Coliseum, Mississippi State exhibition game against Southern Miss. And then it starts for real in Chicago, Illinois, at the Barstool Sports Invitational. I will go ahead and apologize for you, for Coach. For I know you're going to have to run into Brandon Walker. I, I just – I know – and just don't 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 let him affect you any more than than you have to. Right. Just just, well, just stay away. Well, fortunately, if you can. this is my second go around, so I got a little idea. Yeah. Of, uh, you know what you know. I'm walking into. I haven't heard from him yet about it. I'm sure we'll be doing. That's some, believable. Uh, pre-game uh, festivities in terms of taping, etc. But I appreciate the warning. Well, we, you'll take care of business. I know, Coach Chris Jans, Mississippi State basketball. Thanks so much for your time, Coach. I appreciate it. Hi, Brian. Thanks, man. Hail State. Thunder and lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. You called down the thunder. Well, now you've got it. We're back here on Thunder and Lightning here on a Wednesday evening, having a good time on Super Talk Mississippi. So many places you can get Super Talk. I just I just tweeted about it. If you, if you were paying attention, you can obviously watch us at Super Talk TV, or you can use the Super Talk app. You can just say Alexa if, if Alexa's going right now. Play Super Talk Mississippi. There it is. And don't forget our website, supertalk.fm. That's the place to find news, opinion, sports, weather, anything happening in the great state of Mississippi, plus links to all of our shows, 
our podcast, everything. One-stop shopping. It's a great website. Please check it out, supertalk.fm. Good to talk to Coach Chris Jans. Appreciate him jumping on with us. I am excited for basketball season for both the men <coughs> excuse me, and the women here at Mississippi State. I think they both are should be NCAA tournament teams. The, the idea that he changed the, uh, the goal is interesting to me. Because, you know, for me, again, as an outsider, not a coach, not, not, not involved in the program, I think, like, the NCAA tournament is such a crapshoot, right? It's all about matchups, and, and, and it, that's why every year you see a, a 15 seed, a 14 seed winning games, you know, and, and things like that. So it, it, to me, like, I think in terms of if you just get to the tournament and then let, let the games take care of themselves, because you never know who you're going to be playing. You know, it's not like football where if, if you're at Georgia, you're looking at it and you're going, okay, we're probably going to play Alabama in the SEC championship game, and then we'll play Ohio State, and then we'll play, oh, you know, Texas or whoever. You, you can kind of narrow it down a little bit. So the idea that you're you're changing the uh, the goal is interesting to me because, to me, you bring that up, there's only one thing, you know, I don't think he wrote Sweet 16 up there. I don't think he wrote Second Weekend up there, or I think he, I think he wrote Final Four up there. I think that's what he said. Uh, you're asking me to think now. I know that's a dangerous thing, asking me to to use my brain, but uh, that's that's where I'm going to go with that. I think that what he wrote up there are the, the words Final Four. It's happened before at Mississippi State. I was there. I saw it happen. See if it can happen again. What's going to happen this Saturday uh, over on the plains of Alabama as Mississippi State travels to Jordan-Hare Stadium. The last time these two teams got together, one of the most exciting football games in Mississippi State history, the biggest comeback the Bulldogs have ever had. Will Rogers slinging the ball all over the field, and State makes up a 25-point deficit in a 43-34 win. That was the game where I said the air raid had arrived. It had not completely arrived at that point, but it, it was. It, you at least got a good preview there. Um, what is this weekend? This weekend might be the total opposite of that game. 10-7, 13-10. Neither one of these offenses can, can can put up points like those those two schools did. Not for lack of talent, but it's just, you know, I, I guess at Auburn it kind of is, though, because they just don't have quarterbacks, man. Thorne is just not great. Ashford is an outstanding athlete, but he's just not, he's not a good thrower of the football, shall we say. And then you have Mike Wright, who is kind of the same thing. He's not he's not the best thrower, but you got two guys that can run the ball and make plays with their legs. You know, I, I made the comment on Sports Talk about an hour or so ago that if I'm if I'm Kevin Barbe, I'm I'm digging through the film room to find Mississippi State versus Ole Miss 2016. What is that? What, what that's the offense I'm running? Zone read. What Fitzgerald was able to do. That's what I'm looking at. You know, I think Fitzgerald threw 17 passes today. He's eight for 17 with three touchdowns. But he ran the ball as effectively as anybody else. As did Aries Williams. State rushed for nearly 500 yards that day. I'm not saying State could rush for 500 yards if you with some, some changes, but that's where I'm looking. I'm looking at how do I incorporate Mike Wright most effectively into this offense? How do I get the ball to my running backs? How do I, I incorporate Tulu Griffin, Xavion Thomas, and Justin Robinson? I've been saying for the past couple weeks, you know, if, if you're going to tell me and talk about we're going to put our best 11 on the field, then your best 11 doesn't include a tight end. You just, it just doesn't. You go two back or you go four wide, but you do not go. You don't need to have a tight end on the field because there's no there's no scenario where your best eleven could include a tight end. State tight ends have not been good this year. 
The loss of Spivey was obviously a big one, but even that guy, I mean, I, I think Mississippi State fans kind of overvalue a guy who had, what, like 15 career catches? I mean, just, just not a huge part of any offense he was ever in. So I, I would like to see State a little more four wide or two back. That's where I would start. Right in the, in the zone option game, zone read, let him roll out and let him let him have his opportunities. Tell him, you know, one read, two read, go. You know, we're not we're not going through all the progressions here. We're gonna we're gonna take off running if it's not there early. Try to get three or four yards, five or six yards. And Wright's the kind of guy that if he can break one tackle, a, a short run can become a long run. I like to see you know the running backs get a little bit more involved in the passing game. A little more screen. I mean, the state's just not very creative in what they're doing. They're just not very innovative. It's it's very um, and it's just very conservative. You know, for lack of a better word. You know, normally here on Super Talk we love conservative things. Not so much when it comes to play calling. It's play calling is one of those things. I I, I because I'm not a coach. I don't have the depth to understand it. But it, it does make me wonder. How I can watch Ole Miss, and they'll run the football and get, you know, they they on, I, they had a, one of the big plays in the game was early in the game for them. They had a third and twenty two, and they run a draw play, and Judkins gets twenty yards. And I'm just thinking, when's the last time you know State did something like that? There's three or four plays in a game where Ole Miss has a, a receiver wide open, and when I say wide open, I mean no, there's nobody else in this room with me. I'm, that's how wide open I'm talking about. Nobody within five yards in any direction. And I, you just don't ever see that. And it's like, why can one team do it and another team can't? And I understand that, you know, Kiffin's an outstanding play caller. I'm not taking anything away from him, but it feels like it should be easy to at least once a game scheme a play that works. And they didn't have any of that on Saturday. They had to grind and drive and bite and claw for everything they got. State's, I mean, if, you, if you're looking for exciting football, Mississippi State's not 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 your stop. That's not the uh, the team you want to be locked into, you know. But if you if you like suffering, if you like you like the grind it out mentality, then the Bulldogs are the team for you. But Auburn is the same way, and so I don't really know one way or the other who is going to thrive in what I think is going to be a very ugly football game, you know. Somebody asked us on the text line earlier about turnovers and you know, how, how key will they be. And obviously turnovers are key in any football game. But in this game, it's kind of interesting because I don't know that either team can really take advantage of the extra possessions. You know, Auburn did on Saturday night. They got the pick of dart in the second quarter, I think, and turned that into a touchdown. But for the most part, you know, think about State in the game against Arizona. They had five turnovers. And yet they only had 24 points at the end of regulation. They're just not good enough to take advantage of that. You're plus five in turnovers. You should have 40 points on the board. Easy. But they did. Special teams, you know, a non-offensive touchdown in this game would be absolutely massive. Seven points from the defense or from special teams. And State has an advantage in special teams on most teams they play with, Tulu Griffin and Xavion Thomas. Still haven't seen the big breakaway. I think teams are finally just giving up on Tulu trying. They're not. They're not going to kick off to him. 
that's just going to be put it out of the back of the end zone every time. I, I'll be surprised if he gets to return. If he returns a kick this year, it'll be a mistake. It'll be somebody didn't get enough hold of the ball and and hung it up there and shouldn't have. Nobody's kicking to Tula Griffin saying, well, maybe we can get him short of the 25, because you can't. Xavion has had some some good returns this year, but he hasn't had the, the game-breaking one yet. So we'll see if that can happen. But a non-offensive touchdown for either team uh, is, is going to be a problem. Herschel asking, is Will out again this week? Yeah, that has, that, again, that's not official. Arnett is not giving away any kind of injury info. But I, I believe Will Rogers is out for the uh, for the for this game, and, and if I had to guess, probably a couple more. If you said Brian, when do you think Will Rogers will be back? Southern, Southern Miss, and even then, I asked the question. Well, let's say Wright and the defense carry this team a little bit, and you win on Saturday, and you maybe you can beat Kentucky at home. Kentucky's terrible on the road; they're not a very they're not a great football team. And then who knows what the, the the train wreck that is Texas A&M is going to be by the time you get there. What if you've won, you know, three games? What if you're six in there at six and four or seven and three even? Which I don't think is going to happen, but let's just play a, a game here. They're not changing quarterbacks. You can't. Can you imagine the mutiny among the fan base and even among the team, I would think, if you change quarterbacks after going on a winning streak. So... Yeah, the results matter over the next few weeks with, with Will Rogers. We'll see what happens. I don't expect them back before USL. That's my official prediction. Can't afford uh, report anything officially because I I don't have any of that information. I don't have it officially anyway. So, all right. Playmakers predictions for Mississippi State versus Auburn. We'll talk about that. Uh, when we get back here on the show, and we'll wrap things up here on a Wednesday evening. Thanks so much for tuning in. Back in just a minute, we'll wrap it up. Thunder and Lightning Live here on Super Talk Mississippi. Thunder and lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. I am absolutely and completely thunderstruck. Let's wrap things up here on a Wednesday night. Thunder and Lightning live. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Thunder and Lightning podcast. Available wherever podcasts are found. Great stuff there every week. Top. I wanted to give a special shout out, by the way. I don't know that I've, I've brought this up about Thunder and Lightning listeners. Who you know, We have great listeners. I need to come up with a name for y'all, like Thunderheads or something, but... uh. That sounds like dunderheads, so nobody wants that. But I wanted to thank you guys for making us the number two sports news podcast in Nepal. That's right. Somebody is climbing Mount Everest as we speak, listening to the Thunder and Lightning podcast. It's happening. 
We're huge in the Himalayas. The Yeti, big Thunder and Lightning fan, Does never, never misses a show. So, thank, so if you're listening live in Nepal today, we appreciate you. I will learn how to say thank you in uh, Nepalese. I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to pronounce the word. Currently also number uh, number 34 in Ghana. Number 61 in Japan. That's down 19 from earlier this week, though. And uh, here in the great United States of America, today we are seventh. Appreciate that. So Huge in Nepal. Who, you know, Don't you I did not know. Thank you. Appreciate that. We just learned. One more time. Don't you there yeah, you go. Thank you to those of you in Nepal listening to Thunder and Lightning. Uh, let's do some playmakers for Mississippi State and Auburn. Offensively, I mean, I, I don't want to go with Mike Wright again. I got I, I got I to break free of that idea. And I'm talking about you know an offensive playmaker, a guy who I think will have the best game, who literally might be worth like 50 or 60 yards. I don't know for for a fact that State's going to have some breakout player. I don't think Auburn will either. So I'll go with Woody Marks if he's healthy. I I don't want to put a caveat, though. I'm going to go with him one way or the other. But State needs Marks to to deliver as close to 100 yards as he can get them. You know, if he's healthy and he can go, that's going to be a big plus for Mississippi State. So, yeah, we'll go with Marks there. Defensively, that's where where the difference-making is. Auburn, Auburn can't pass. They just they can't pass. They probably won't throw more than 15 passes in this game. Neither State might not either. State's got to be able to, to control the line of scrimmage. Crummity and Pickering, so pick one. Go, I went Pickering last week. I'll do Crummity this week. Needs to be able to disrupt things, get into the backfield, and put Mississippi State and put Auburn in some, some second and long third. Auburn is a school, is a team. Sort of, they're similar to Mississippi State in this way, but Auburn for sure. Second and 12, the drive is over. Second and 14, the drive is over for Auburn. They cannot convert long long down in distance because they can't pass. They can't pass. They're a one-dimensional team. Coach Arnett wanted to argue with me about that the other day. I, I, I should have broke out the stats on him. This team can't pass. So State's defensive line has got to step up and control the line of scrimmage and limit with them in the running game and let Watson and Johnson clean everything up behind them. The X factor, I guess we got to go back to special teams, right? Isn't that what we talked about? I think it's going to be a close game. He missed last weekend, but I think Kyle Ferry bounces back. They're going to call on him a couple times in this game, and and State's going to be going to need him to uh, to to make those field goals. I, I I could see him having a couple of field goals in this game because I just don't think there's a lot of, a lot of points in this game. I don't. I, I think that that Auburn and Mississippi State, you know, the over under this game, I think it's like forty five. Look, I'm not telling you to go bet your mortgage or anything. Gosh knows I'm not a, I'm not a handicapper. If I if I knew how to get every bet right, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to y'all right now. I'd be at the buffet at the win. But that seems like a very safe line that you can bet the under on. Because I don't think that these two teams are going to combine for 45 points. I don't know that they're going to combine for 35 points, to be totally honest with you. State is a seven-point underdog, I think, as you see it today. I like the Bulldogs. I, I just don't think Auburn is, is any good, and I think State's going to win. I think it's going to be an ugly game, but I feel like the State, State will find a way 
to pull it out. I'm going to say Mississippi State wins this one uh, 20 to 10. What year is it that I'm predicting these kind of college football scores? But yeah, I just I think it's an ugly defensive game, but I think State finds a way to make a play here, a play there that Auburn doesn't make. I think Wright is a better passer than Thorne or Ashford, and he could make. Sometimes that that, that you got to take that into account. You're like, oh, they they can't throw either, they can't throw either, and the next thing you know, he lost one over the top to Tulu Griffin for a big play. That's where I'm going to go with this. State twenty, Auburn ten. That's my prediction. Will it hold true? (laughs) Tune in to find out. Back with you guys tomorrow on Sports Talk Mississippi and the Thunder and Lightning podcast. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks to Coach Chris Jans for joining us. Thanks to Rhino down there in Studio X for making sure everything works right. Thanks to our listeners in Nepal. Talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in on a Wednesday night. It's been Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.